and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Hi, Love Savers listeners. This is Keith Davis, the proprietor of the Golden Pear Cafes. As I enter my 30th year of marriage, I encourage you to seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom for your marriage, for He is the one who can help you day by day in building a lifetime of peace, joy, fond memories, and a beautiful family. When Anne walked into the Golden Pear to apply for a job as Golden Pear's first pastry chef, I had no idea that God had brought my future wife and mother of our three children literally to my front door. But that is exactly what he did. And although we have had our challenges and ups and downs, God has richly blessed our marriage and he gets the glory for our 30 years together. So I encourage you to seek God's will and use Love Savers as a resource to improve and bless your marriage. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Today's guest author is Deborah Felita. She wrote the book, Choosing Marriage. Deborah says any married person will tell you there's a huge difference between what you expect marriage will be like and what marriage is actually like. But while marriage may be hard, a healthy marriage doesn't stop there. Because by learning to journey through the hard things, you get the opportunity to experience the great things on the other side. Sandy talks with Deborah Felita about her book, Choosing Marriage, Why It Has to Start with We and Me. Let's listen. Hello, Deborah. Hi, Sandy. We're going to discuss your book, Choosing Marriage. Wonderful. Yes, and your book starts out with a story about how a bologna sandwich taught you about love. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, absolutely. When my husband and I were dating, uh, little to my knowledge, he was saving up money for an engagement ring. And uh, he tells the story looking back of how he spent months eating bologna sandwiches just so that he could cut down his grocery budget in order to be able to afford a, uh, an engagement ring. And, you know, it's, it's a funny story, and, you know, I actually started out the book talking about this bologna sandwich experience, but the truth is that tiny act of service was a marker of the type of sacrificial love that would be displayed in our marriage. And I think sometimes it's those little things that get overlooked, the, the, the idea that we need to sacrifice in order to have a healthy marriage. And so, you know, it might be as little as a bologna sandwich, but later on in marriage it gets so much more significant and and, and sacrifice becomes so much more necessary, you know? Yes. 
That's a lovely story. Your entire book is based on the idea that we, and you have the arrow to me, what does that formula mean and how can we apply it to our marriages? Yeah. Well, the subtitle of choosing marriage is why it has to start with we is greater than me. And the idea there is, as a single person, you know, a huge portion of my ministry is for singles. And when we're single, we think about ourselves. We talk about ourselves. We, we're on our own schedule. We go where we want to go, when we want to go. We buy what we want. We, we do life how we want to do it. And we're just used to thinking of ourselves. And then all of a sudden, we get married. And I think there's this huge learning curve that takes place where all of a sudden it's not about me anymore. And in order for us to survive and in order for us to have healthy marriages, we've got to start applying the formula of we is greater than me. And it's something our society is not really good at doing. I was watching a TV show recently and this guy said, you know, blatantly, he said, I am just not happy in this marriage, and I think it's time to be done with it. And it's like the second we're not happy, we feel like it's time to be done. But but that type of attitude is not applying we is greater than me. It's applying me is greater than we. And and that's a backwards philosophy, you know. And and I think we really need to, to learn how to apply we is greater than me. So throughout the book... That's my main formula, and, uh-huh. and we kind of go through topics. We, we have the topic of sex, the topic of conflict, communication, confession, intimacy. We kind of go through topic by topic of some of the areas that people really struggle with in marriage, and we learn how to apply that formula, we is greater than me, in a really practical way um, that will hopefully encourage a lot of people and, and, and give a lot of people hope in their marriages and relationships. Yes, definitely. In your chapter about moving from self selfishness to holiness, you make it a point to clarify that selflessness is not the same as passivity. What do you yeah. mean by that? Well, I think in, in our culture today, uh, we we often um, we often correlate selflessness as the same thing as just not having an opinion or not getting your needs met or, you know, just saying yes to everything. And we, we oftentimes sacrifice ourselves, our lives, our health on the altar of saying we're just trying to be selfless. We don't want to be selfish. But according to um, modern psychology, according to counseling, even according to God's word, Selflessness doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves. Selflessness doesn't mean that we're not healthy people. It doesn't mean that we always say yes. It doesn't mean that we keep our hurts to ourselves and and not express ourselves and express our needs and our desires. Selflessness doesn't mean that we, we we don't communicate our needs to the people around us. And I just felt like it was very important to differentiate uh, what it looks like to be selfless and what it looks like to be passive because a lot of people get those very confused and end up in unhealthy and toxic relationships because they don't know how to 
to voice their needs and to stand up for themselves. So I really felt like it was important in talking about being selfless to know also what it's not so that people don't get confused and end up hurt along the way. Right. That's such an important uh, topic. And I've experienced that kind of thing myself. I remember when I first became a Christian and they talked about the relationship with men and women and they talked about yeah. submission and who, you know, head of household, etc. I started to get into this, you're right, passive feeling that I should be quiet and I should be led. And I got to the point where I actually said to this pastor's wife one time, I wonder if I'm really being a true helpmate as I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be because I think I hold back from what I can, my opinion sometimes, and just, you know, follow another's opinion. And that was so wonderful. You just define that so well. And I'm so um, glad to hear that. Oh, yeah. I love your, I love your story because, you know, that, that especially is where I felt that it's important to speak into this topic because, um, there's a lot of unhealthy relationships out there that people are struggling and, and they're just not sure how to navigate it in a healthy way. And like you said, when we talk about submission, we talk about those more difficult subjects, there's a healthy way to do relationships. And, and God sees us as equal partners in a relationship. And so what does it look like to to communicate as equal partners, to sacrifice as equal partners, to love each other as equal partners. And even as scripture says, submit to one another. You know, there's that balancing act there. And it starts with us understanding that not everything is selflessness. Some of it's just us being unhealthy and learning how we need to learn how to express ourselves in a healthy way. Right. Um, that that was just so wonderful, the way you covered that. And I do think it's so important. And um, I am even speaking up more, which I think is healthier because of that. Because I say to myself, I have a right to do this and to give my opinion. And if I feel strong about something, to be strong and... And, you know, not just say yes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the other night, I, mean, I have to tell you, last night I was thinking, for instance, I just, my husband likes boxing. So I say to myself, you know, I'll endure this. And I've actually gotten into enjoying it a bit myself, which I never would have been on my own. But it's because I say, oh, I'm going to sacrifice if he wants to watch boxing. Boxing, I'll watch boxing. But after I read your book, I actually said it was just, I think, last night. I said, forget about the boxing. Which, and he said, well, well, why? You know, you like boxing. Well, not really. You know, let's try to get something a little, you know, tamer and nicer than boxing. So we did. But if, do you know, really, if I had just read your book it would have just gone out you know on like always you know like happening and and, and the idea here is that we do have to be aware that sometimes that does mean you're going to watch boxing and sometimes he's going to watch what you want to watch right but the underlying idea and what i think you're saying here is 
so many times we just keep silent about what we really want. Yes. And then we develop this bitterness and resentment inside. Like, like yeah. why why doesn't he ever want to want to watch what I want to watch? Right. But really, we haven't actually communicated. Yeah. Hey, I'm starting to feel a little bit like this is just all about what you want, and I would really appreciate if we did this, and this is what right, I like. Right. I mean. And that bitterness and contempt that we build up because of our lack of communication and our lack of voicing our needs comes out eventually. It just right. doesn't come out in a healthy way. It might come out in, in yeah. exploding in the parking lot or, or you know, a fight in a different place or a different time or, or giving the cold shoulder. And, and what I'm saying is when we don't voice our needs in a healthy way, they come out in an unhealthy way. Right. So it's really important that we learn to do that. And I really love your example. And I, what I love most about that example is how it turned out. Oh, yeah. yeah. So let me tell you. Okay, let me tell you. Yeah, let me tell you how it turned out. So usually he also complains about what he talks about is chick flicks. You know, like I like romantic comedies. Oh, we have to watch another chick flick, you know. But so he, because I didn't just go along quietly to watch boxing and I do understand that sometimes you know it would you know that's okay but so he looked and he said oh you know here's here's a, a comedy and we ended up watching Mad Money <laughs> it was really it was really funny so I was glad that I really stood up for myself for a change I mean you I needed a little help yeah to push me over you that wall a little, little balance. You know, exactly. Learning what that looks like and how to balance so that right. both parties are sacrificing and both parties are also receiving. And I think right, that's exactly. a really important place to be in marriage. Right, exactly. In your chapter about... Um, you talk through the expectations people have going into marriage and the reality of marriage. Where do you think we have yeah. our expectations wrong, and how does that yeah. impact our relationships? Well, I think one of the most interesting things about this book for me was the research that went into it. So in order to formulate some of the chapters for this book, I asked 1,000 singles and said to them, tell me a little bit about what you expect marriage to be like. And then in the same subject, I surveyed a thousand married people. And I said, tell me what you expect marriage to be like, but then tell me what the reality of marriage has actually been like in marriage. And it's funny because what singles thought marriage would be like, but the reality of what marriage was actually like was very different, astonishingly different in, in areas like communication, uh, sexual intimacy. I mean, people have very unrealistic expectations of what marriage is going to look like. And then when you face these things, and it's not what you expected it to be like, I think a lot of people end up discouraged and feeling hopeless, feeling despair, because no one prepared them for that stuff. And so... I thought it was really important to, to walk the reader through some of the, the major expectations that people have. So I actually dedicated one chapter to uh, the reality of marriage, and I asked my married readers to tell me what are the, the top areas that you expected to be easier, and then when you got there, it was very difficult to navigate. So here's the top six 
things that were extremely difficult and people didn't expect them to be this difficult. We had uh, financial issues were number one. I think everyone hears that finances are going to be a struggle and, and potentially cost us, but nobody really believes it until it starts yeah. happening. Right. Uh, personality differences was another one where you, 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 before marriage, you like this person and you're drawn to them because of their personality differences. But then after marriage, those personality differences drive you crazy. And so learning to navigate the different personalities and if someone's laid back and someone's go, 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 or if somebody's an extrovert and the other person is an introvert. So, so all of these personality differences proved to be harder to navigate. A couple other things were lifestyle differences, dealing with extended family, sexual issues, and lastly, gender role and family traditions. Uh, you know, whose house are we going to have holidays at? How are we going right. to celebrate? What should the woman do? What should the man do? These things caused more stress than people expected. And I think part of the problem is because we don't know better. We're not being taught how to navigate these things. And and in, in one of the promotions for this book, actually in the first chapter, I outline how, you know, in order to get a medical license, you need at least 20,000 hours of training. Right. In order to get a driver's license, you need over 100 hours of training. But to get a marriage license... They hand it to you with zero training at all, and you just kind of have to learn along the way. And, and I think that's what causes so much problem is people are not prepared for these things. And so throughout that chapter and throughout the book in general, we kind of lay out how to navigate some of these hard situations and subjects in a really practical way. Yeah. It seems that we live in a society today that questions even the validity of marriage. How do we arrive at this place, do you think? I personally think it's because of the failure that we have seen. I especially think this generation of millennials looks above at the generation they've come from, their parents' generation, and they see the hurt, the brokenness, the pain, the divorce rates, and they are afraid of doing that. They're afraid that that's what they're going to carry in. They're afraid that that is the picture of this, their future marriage. And so rather than risk going through that pain, they avoid it altogether. And we're, we're, we live in a day and age where people are questioning, is marriage even worth it? And, and I really believe in order for us to get to a resounding, yes, it's worth it, we've really got to prepare this generation and, and set them up for healthy relationships, set them up for success. Yeah, sometimes it seems it would be easier to cruise through life as a single. Why do you, can you tell us you feel marriage is worth the work? Marriage is worth the work for many reasons. And, you know, let me, let me add the caveat that I don't believe that everybody needs to get married. I think there's some singles out there that are enjoying singleness and and, and God has called them to uh, singleness in a certain stage of life, a certain season, and that is totally fine. But for those who have that desire for marriage but are afraid, I think I encourage you to pursue 
doing what you need to do to get yourself healthy so that you can attract healthy relationships because the healthier you are as a single person, the healthier the type of relationships you're going to attract in your life. And marriage gives us a glimpse of so many bigger things than ourselves. I mean, the Bible talks about how marriage gives us a glimpse of God's love for his people. And in and of itself, there is this ministry, this awareness of God's love when we experience that type of intimate love with another human being. So there's so many benefits to marriage, uh, but I think what it really starts with is becoming healthy as a single so that you can enter into marriage and a healthy marriage at that. Right. Working on oneself, getting oneself better. Right. Like you say, it's not just to be happy, but to be better. Like Carrie be says, yeah, it's not just to be happy, but to be holy. But if you uh, try to be holy, you're going to be happier. Just like if you try to be better, you'll be happier. Yeah, exactly. Holiness will lead to happiness eventually in routes, you know. And it's not based on the marriage, but based on what God is doing in our lives, in our individual lives. And for those of you out there who are in a marriage, that's not how you want it. The best advice I have for you is to work on yourself first. Get yourself healthy. Take yourself to the next level. Because when you get healthy, you start recognizing things like we talked about earlier. Oh, wait a second. Maybe I'm not just selfish. Maybe maybe I'm not just selfless. Maybe I'm actually passive. Right, I need to right. work on that. Maybe I need to work on setting boundaries. Maybe I need to work on voicing my needs. And the healthier you get, the healthier your relationships will also get in the process. Right, because as you mentioned, you won't be holding in as much resentment or bitterness if you get it right out there in the light, your needs, and etc. Why is filling our well with Jesus so critical to the health of our marriage and ourselves? Our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Our relationship with Christ is so crucial because it's the only thing that can really fill us up. I mean, we oftentimes, I use the analogy, we go into marriage as half-empty cups. I'm half-empty, and I'm just looking for that man who's going to fill me up, and he's half-empty, and he's just looking for that woman who's going to fill him up. We get into marriage, you pour two half-cups together, and you get one full cup. But what you really have is still two half-full cups desperately trying to fill each other, desperately trying to use the other person to fill themselves up. The marriage wasn't intended to fill us up. Surely it can add drops of buckets, drops of water to our bucket. It can it can add drops of joy and drops of happiness and drops of intimacy. But in order to fill us up, God didn't intend for marriage to fill us up. He intended for himself to fill us up. Yeah. And that is why, you know, a huge part of having a healthy relationship is asking yourself, what's my source? Is my source Christ and his love for me and what he's pouring into me or am I using other people and other things and my spouse and my relationships as my source because if that's your source that is going to run dry eventually and and you're not going to have what it takes to continue to give and to continue to love but when, when Christ fills us up when Jesus fills us up 
we can then love out of our overflow, which is exactly what God calls us to do. So it really makes a huge difference. And, and I would really challenge everyone to just take a step back and ask, how full am I feeling these days? And how is it impacting my marriage? Right. It's amazing. My daughter was recently saying that um, she came from a church meeting and she just felt, in spite of all the things whirling around and the challenges that she faces in the city, this tremendous peace. And I said, yes, and contentment. And it's just mm. amazing living in that. You know, and having the Shekinah glory of God and being lifted up into his glory. And when we spend time with him and in his word and in worship, and you know, we do draw close to him. And it does fill us and um, mm -hmm. does all those things you say. How can we identify what you call the walls in our marriage? That's a good question. Um, I think something really interesting about how each of us comes into marriage with walls that we are carrying, walls that we build up without even realizing that we're doing it, walls that we have learned from our family, from how we were raised, from our past experiences and relationships. And these walls are used to protect ourselves. But what they ultimately do is they keep people out. And there's different walls, you know, throughout throughout the chapter um, that this is mentioned in. It's a chapter about communication. And throughout okay. that chapter, I discuss some of the walls. So let me give you some examples. The wall of isolation, meaning you you try not to go to other people. You, you isolate and keep to yourself. You keep your emotions in. The wall of denial, where you're not willing to take responsibility for problems. The wall of withdrawal, the wall of displacement, the wall of invalidation, of fantasy, the wall of passive aggression, the wall of rage. There's so many walls that we have that we keep people out without even realizing that we're doing it. And I just think it's crucial for us to be able to have healthy communication to realize that there are things we're doing that are contributing to poor communication in our relationships. And even if you can only take 5% ownership, you know, let's say you look at a conflict that you're having with someone and you think, well, that conflict is all their fault. If you think a conflict is all somebody else's fault, there's a good chance that you are not looking hard enough because in every situation in every conflict there are two people involved and two people must take responsibility i'm not saying the responsibility has to be 50 50 right but at least acknowledging okay this is my five percent here's what i did in this situation my tone was not healthy my my attitude was not kind i didn't set enough boundaries i didn't communicate what i needed whatever it is you've got to be able to take responsibility for your peace you've got to be able to recognize your walls if there's any hope of you taking them down and having healthy communication. And one of my favorite things, Sandy, when I was going through and writing this chapter, yeah. the Lord just brought this beautiful, beautiful verse. I'd, I'd read it many, many times, but never applied it to this specific context. But the verse is in Psalms, and it says, With my God, I can scale any wall. 
And I just thought to myself, I just finished writing a chapter on walls, and here the Lord is bringing me to this incredible verse, with my God I can scale any wall, because there is hope that in Christ, all of these walls that have been built from our past and the baggage that we carry can be overcome with His help and His grace. Amen. Would you tell us where our listeners can get your can find your website to get your book and other resources? Absolutely. I would love to connect with your listeners and anyone who's interested in becoming healthier and having healthier relationships. I have an entire blog ministry that reaches millions of people, and it's called www.truelovegates.com. And you can find me there. You can find hundreds and hundreds of free articles and resources about relationships. And you can order Choosing Marriage. There's information about my book, Choosing Marriage. You can also find Choosing Marriage at any bookstore. All right, Deborah, thank you so much. And I'll just say goodbye and God bless for now. Thank you so much, Andy. You have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Let's Talk About Marriage, sponsored by Love Savers Ministry. This is Sandy Fox, ministering the blessings of covenant. Love can be defined in lots of ways, but in marriage, I love you really means I promise to be there for you all of my days. It is a promise that says I'll be there when you lose your job, your health, your parents, your looks, your confidence, your friends. Since God keeps his promises, we must keep ours too especially the one we made before God, our family, our friends, and to each other when we said, I do. I've heard the most important 15 words we can say are, I was wrong, I am sorry, please forgive me, I love you, I need you. If you want prayer for your marriage, please call Love Savers, 917-804-5034. That's 917-804-5034. And remember, love never fails.